celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome. Here's the phone number, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Now, if you have a question about your pet, your animal, doesn't matter what kind, uh, give us a call. We have Dr. Debbie here, and let me tell you, she's pretty well-versed in all kinds of animals. She practices in Las Vegas, where you see just a, a real plethora of animals. So she's uh, she knows probably all about the animal that you have. And she can answer your question. And, and Joey Volani now, he's he's been grooming for a long time now. You groom specifically dogs and uh, perhaps the occasional cat. No flamingos or any other animals, right? No, no flamingos, nothing like that. Sometimes I'm umbrella cockatoos, you know, the one I, when I got to wash mine. But um, other than that, no, just dogs and cats. Okay, so if you have a question about, uh, a grooming question about your dog, your cat, or even your bird, toll-free 1-866-405-8405. And uh, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a uh, free download, thanks to those folks over at Doctors Fosters and Smith. So go ahead and download that now. Uh, coming up on today's show, Dr. Nicholas Dodman will be back. And correct me if I'm wrong here. <laughs> is the topic, can your pet commit suicide? Yeah. That is the topic. That's the topic. I want to know. Well, I would think wow. not. I would think not, but we'll find out. Is that a problem? Has anyone had a pet that committed suicide? You know what? I think in uh, we've been doing this show 15 years now. First time that's ever crossed my mind. So we'll find out about that in just a few minutes with Dr. Nicholas Dodman. Also, a guy who's made an invention, another pet invention. And as you know, we're always looking for inventions for the pets. A lot of people give up their day jobs and invent something for the pets, and you see them at the trade shows every year trying to pitch it. <laughs> New pet products. New pet products. Some of them work. Some of them don't. Some of them are silly. Some of them are really brilliant. And today, we'll figure that out, whether this is uh, One of those genius. ones where we kick ourselves. Why didn't we think of that? <laughs> and we'll find out how this guy is doing with his project. And, uh, oh, Doc Halligan's going to be back. Relax yourself, Joey. Just relax Wow, yourself. okay. My yeah. buddy. Yes, She's uh, talking about the cold weather and tips for your pets, so you want to stick around for that. Now, we're going to go to the phones in just a couple of seconds. Joey, what are you working on on the show today? Well, you see, that that upsets me now, that um that my buddy's coming on, because that's what I was going to talk about. Oh, really? Cold weather tips for your pets. But I bet you my tips are better, so you're going to have to listen. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to have a, a tip-off. <laughs> Lori Brooks working in the newsroom there. She is our news director. She does a phenomenal job digging out the stories about the animals and the pets, and I'm sure you're working on something provocative today, aren't you? You know, there's a, a new cat scent out that I, I want to tell you about, but it's a scent of a certain area of a cat that... <laughs> Supposedly, oh, this certain this. area, <laughs> this certain area of a cat is supposed to smell so good, and and I've had many cats, and and I've never noticed this, but my sniffer isn't the greatest. But this area of a cat is supposed to smell so good, so they've replicated it, so you can now have that smell on your sofa, your pillow, your dog. Wherever. I I already do. They're all over my pillow and sofa. <laughs> you know what? I I love the smell of my cat. And it's, can, it, can you tell the difference if you can? Do you really? Uh, yes, I can tell the difference between my cats. And, <gasps> Just by smelling their... Well, it's sort of like a mother. And, you know, a mother smells their, their child's head. And they could... Mm-hmm. Wow, Hal. Pretty good. Learn something well, new I about could you smell, today. Same thing with my dogs. I could tell the difference between four dogs just by smelling them. But it's not, you know, I don't know if I want to spray the whole house with it's that It's not a good smell. smell. <laughs> well, it's not that it's, it's the bad smell, but it's not, you know, it's not like for spraying Febreze. <laughs> 
I love the smell of my cats. You guys, some of these people say that this specific cat smell, it it smells anything like, you know, from wonderful, you know, a new day of sunshine to fresh baked bread. So uh, where where you can smell it on your cat is coming up. (laughs) Tuna on rye. Okay, that's on the way. But uh, first, let's go to the phones for your calls right now. And hey, Crystal, how are you doing? I'm fine. How you doing? How you doing? Where are you calling from? California. California. Where? L.A.? Long Beach. Long Beach. Uh-huh. How's the weather today? Uh, it's nice. It's nice, like it always is in SoCal, huh? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so what's going on with your animal? Well, I have two baby kitties that we found on the side of the road. Okay, and two baby kitties. How old are they? Oh, between four and five weeks. Okay. And we've been giving them uh, the baby milk, but we have one that has started eating out of the dish, and the other one hasn't. Okay. So is it okay to give them baby food? Baby food as in human baby food? Yes. Why would you give, would you give your baby cat food? No, I'm being I'm being silly here, but um, we should be going with a kitten food. Um, so the 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 kind of the ins and outs with weaning kittens. So we've got if we've got stray kittens that we might tend to wean them a little bit earlier, but four weeks is generally the kind of the guideline of when we start that. Uh-huh. So what I usually do is when we come from the the kitten milk formula, which is what they should be fed when they're being bottle fed. That's um, what I put, I'm feeding them now. Perfect. Good, good. So we can introduce that into a bowl and let them drink that out of a bowl. And then we can uh-huh. also take that, that, you can take the milk replacer and add that to some canned kitten food. And this is where I was joking because I just, I wouldn't even think about feeding baby food to a cat because, you know, we have totally different nutritional requirements for humans that we do for cats. Cats are carnivores, so they have a high protein need. So there's no reason we would give them kitten or baby food. <laughs> The other thing also that is commonly used in baby food that actually can be detrimental to cats is the the use of onion powder, garlic flavorings. Those actually can be toxic, and if you repeatedly feed baby food uh, to cats or kittens, it can actually cause a type of anemia, um, a toxic a toxic change that affects their red blood cells. So okay. definitely, definitely grab okay. that kitten food. And I usually what I like to do is just kind of make a little oatmeal mash. So I take the canned kitten food, a little bit of the the milk replacer, and I kind of make it like just like I'm eating some oatmeal with some milk for myself and uh-huh. offer that in small amounts. And that sometimes helps that transition from milk into more solid food. And, and then later, then that's when we talk about dry food. Okay, um, what kind of uh, cat food should I buy at Kitty Food? What kind of cat food? Um as far as kitten food, so I look for, you know, whatever your favorite brand is, but I would go with a kitten variety. So it's specifically for that age group. And the canned formula, so I do more of the minced meat. So instead of the kind that have the gravies and the pieces of meat in it, for a kitten this age, we really want the minced stuff. So when it comes out of the can, it looks kind of all even throughout. It's homogenous looking. So that would be the one. But there's a lot of great brands you can go out there um, and get. But just make sure you do get kitten food. So, and then I have one that doesn't want to eat out of the dish. How long does that really take? 
Well, the trick is that you need to make sure that you're not offering as much feeding by the bottle so that if that's available to him in the saucer, that we'll get to that and, and we'll be hungry enough to do that on our own. And then sometimes a little monkey see, monkey do is helpful. So if the other kitten is around watching that one or even myself, I'll kind of play around and make little eaty sounds nom, 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 and kind of show where you want the kitten to go to eat and uh, put a little bit on your finger, introduce it you know, straight to the kitty and uh, see if you can entice them that way. But that whole weaning process, it may, every cat's a little different. We start at four weeks of age. That would be like the kind of the earliest I'd like to start. But this process takes time. So it may not be till six weeks or nine weeks that we're completely weaned over. So if your kitties are four or five weeks, I would just you know keep offering in the, um, the saucer and uh, try to decrease the amount that you're given by bottle. Okay. Okay. Oh, Thank well, you. Good luck with those little babies, and uh, good Thank to you, you for so uh, much. You have for a saving those day. babies. You too. Thanks for calling. That is uh, perhaps the most fun I've ever had was raising kittens at that particular age. So that's a, that's a fun thing that she's doing right there. It is, and we didn't talk about it, but you know the other interesting thing is if you are taking care of all of the kitten needs when they're under four weeks of age, you got to clean them too. Yeah, I'd always get fur in my mouth when I did that. Oh no, <laughs> no, you got to clean their butt and their pee. <laughs> So you've got to wipe that area with a warm wash rag to stimulate them. So, yeah, I'm sure she's already figured that out because if they're four or five weeks in now. See, I used to take my finger and with the warm wash rag and make little circles on their belly to stimulate mm-hmm. them. Yeah, and I've had kittens come here, you know, that age that um, people start nursing and taking care of, and if they didn't know about cleaning their genital area, they will actually get constipated. Oh, wow. They can't go without having that maternal stimulation, so it's really essential that you do that. I want some more kittens. kittens we should foster some. We need to foster some kittens. Yes. Just foster them. That's all. And smell their heads. <laughs> do you like the way your cat smells? That's just a question I'm asking because it's going to be a topic of conversation coming up in just a few minutes. And I love my cat. I love how my cat smells. You're weird that way. The only thing I don't love about my cat, well, it used to be buying cat litter. Oh, stinky litters. Yeah, but I'll tell you, that's all changed. I love the concentrated power of world's best cat litter. It gives me more performance with less litter. It has concentrated power. And you can learn more at tryworldsbest.com. Thank you so much, World's Best Cat Litter, for underwriting this portion of Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. Why are there seasonal beers? Because as seasons change, so do our thirsts. In hot summer, we crave something light and citrusy like Sam Adams Summer Ale. Leaves change and we seek out the malty comfort of Oktoberfest. Winter's chill makes us want rich, warm brews like winter lager. Then spring blooms and beer turns bright again. Sam Adams Cold Snap. Crisp and refreshing. The beer brewed to bring you from snow to sun. Sam Adams Cold Snap. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass. Save responsibly. I am the family dog. And it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family. 
and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. There are times being a genius would really come in handy. As your doctor, I'm going to give it to you straight. You have a severe case of gustatory horpulation aneurysis, and you need to choose between a cystoplastic volunteer treatment or orthostatic muscae surgery. I'll give you a second to think it over, but we'll need an answer right away. It's bad. But thankfully, you don't need to be a genius to do your own taxes, because TurboTax's Smart Look feature gives you on-screen assistance to help answer your questions so you're never on your own. Intuit TurboTax. Taxes done smarter. Feature availability varies by product and platform. Hello, this is Loretta Swift, and I'm on Animal Radio. And please don't forget to spay and neuter. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Here, give me that squeaky toy. It's my squeaky toy. <laughs> Mine. 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Animal Radio Dream Team. Who is that? Dr. Debbie answering your vet medical questions. Joey Volani answering your dog grooming questions. And, of course, working so hard in the newsroom, Miss Lori Brooks bringing you the latest pet news. And In fact, in just a few minutes, we're going to check the news. What do you got coming up? Well, it's actually a good story about a woman who has 1,000 cats. Huh. Not a hoarder situation. Not a yeah, hoarder. It's pretty cool. Okay. No, no. That's a lot of kitties. Do you think mm-hmm. there's any urination problems? <laughs> God, I would hope not, but who knows? Okay, that's on the way in just a couple of minutes. Uh, also, this hour in just a few minutes, Jim Foley. He's an inventor, and he's invented something for your dog, cat. Well, we'll find out in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Let's go to the phones for your calls. Hi, Tracy. How are you? Hello. Nice to talk to you. Well, hi. I'm glad to take your call. What can I do for you? Well, I've got an 11-year-old grandmother, a 6-year-old son, and a 9-month-old granddaughter. And okay. What, dogs. what kind and, of dogs? Yes. Uh, what kind? They're Canaan yeah. dogs. They're, um, I'm sorry? They're Canaan dogs, like Israeli herding dogs. Oh, okay. Great. Anyway, so um, they're a little more pack-oriented. Grandma used to be top dog. Uh, the father and daughter get along great. Grandma wants nothing to do with granddaughter. Um, when I'm holding the leash on the granddaughter, she'll let me, you know, get her close and pet both of them, etc. If she escapes through the gates and stuff and gets loose, and uh, all she wants to do is get to grandma. Of course, grandma wants nothing to do with her. And grandma mm-hmm. screams and grandma cries and grandma growls and tries to discipline her, you know, with her, with her mouth, put her down, but she doesn't bite her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're, we make sure that doesn't happen. But if she, if she walks by and I'm holding the puppy, Grandma just ignores her and walks past. She's not trying to be aggressive. So the question I so have is, is besides, besides um, trying to just leash train her, and, it, the puppy's not trained enough to, say, leave her alone. So, I'll, of course, all, gra- all puppy wants to do is go to Grandma and, and be submissive, and Grandma mm-hmm. doesn't want anything to do with her. So... How do we get them so that we could actually let them out together, let them in the house together? 
uh, you know, without one being on a leash or with puppy being on a leash. Okay. And you said the puppy is nine months old? Nine months. Okay. And what happens when grandma kind of puts her in her place? What What does the baby do? Uh, baby's just trying to be submissive. She goes down on the ground and tries to go underneath her and, and pause her face a little bit saying, please, I'm, you know, I don't want to do is be submissive. Okay. Uh, well, that's good. To the other dogs. Yes. Okay. But we just can't get grandma to be happy. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like they are putting out the right signals, and we've got to respect that. So if Grandma is saying, hey, leave me alone, little whippersnapper, <laughs> I don't want to play with you right now, and if the puppy is acknowledging that, rolling over, submitting, maybe even urinating, because that's kind of what they do, then the cues are getting there, and we just have to respect that. Now, <laughs> She doesn't stop. So that's, she doesn't back off. She just keeps trying. And that's, ah, that's okay. Has, this, has it led to an actual bite or an attack? Uh, no, she, well, she, you know how they, they, uh, discipline them by, you know, mamas grab them by the throat, you know, I mean, at the top mm-hmm. of the neck and push them down, but she hasn't bitten down. She just holds the mouth open and pushes her down. So she's okay. doing what she's supposed to be doing, just puppy's not responding appropriately and backing off. Okay. Well, the big goal here is, um, you know, with using the leash to control their behavior, you're definitely heading down the right path. So what we have to do is make sure grandma is not getting those bad experiences around this puppy. So if the puppy is coming up to her, jumping on her, and irritating her, then we are setting a bad pattern there because if she doesn't want that level of interaction, we've got to stop that before it happens because we're going to allow that to escalate and make this problem worse. So really what you're doing with keeping the puppy under the leash control and preferably even having someone on the grandma at the same time on a leash control, that way we can control their interactions. And if it starts to get where it's unpleasant, we have to stop, separate the situation. But really for for young pups, you know, we know how they are. They're exuberant. They're, they're all over the place. And for an older dog that doesn't want that, we have to be able to make sure that the exposures are very positive. So grandma gets a lot of love. She gets a lot of reward for just allowing the presence of this other dog in her midst. So we need to make sure that grandma gets all the reassurance she needs, that she's the top dog. Um, she gets maybe a treat, or maybe she's even given something special when the puppy's around. Now, we don't want them fighting over food or anything like that, but we want to make that a good experience to just to allow that puppy in the midst of her. And um, that's how we create positive reinforcement for having that puppy around her. But in the meantime, yes, I would use leashes, and I would make sure that we supervise them. One other thing you can do, and especially with two female dogs, it, it is a, sometimes a really bad combination and dogs don't care that they're related uh, so just the fact that she's her granddaughter doesn't matter one of my colleagues used to say bitch fights are the worst <laughs> and they really they really are it's the the hardest combination of aggression issues to deal with so we really want to nip it in the bud try to stop the pattern before we get there but some of the other things I wanted to mention real quickly was um, to do some leash training. So hopefully if the, the puppy is good enough on a leash, I would say two people walking each dog and doing that at the same time while they're in their presence, it's a good experience for both dogs. And as long as there's no altercation, there's no aggression that's shown, that's one way that we can show them, hey, this is cool. You're both having a good time in each other's presence. And that can be a positive reward as well. So... It's got a lot of work, but uh, it sounds like you have some good ideas there, and I think you just need to really keep up the level of supervision here. one 405 8405 to talk to anyone on the Dream Team right now. 
This healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at RedBarnInc.com. And thanks so much, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. You've seen Dancing with the Stars. How about Dancing with a Dog? There's a new dance craze sweeping the nation. Dancing with your dog for fun, competition, and exercise, sometimes in coordinated costumes. Videos of this doggy dancing have been popping up on Internet sites, while other doggy dancing enthusiasts compete at fairs, horse shows, and rodeos. Colorado will be the site of two competitions held this year by the World Canine Freestyle Organization. Competitors who dance to everything from country to disco say their dogs enjoy it just as much as they do. So don't get left behind. Put on some music and start doggy dancing. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hey everybody, this is Brett Michaels. And I just want to say, you, right now, want to take, wait, give me the line again. My brain stick. <laughs> Brett Michaels. I just have one of my brain hemorrhage brain farts. Oh, Go don't ahead, do that. Don't that do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. Trust me, it's me. Go okay. ahead. Animal radio. Brett Michaels and animal radio. You got it. I knew the animal radio. Like, okay, here we go. Hey, this is Brett Michaels. You're listening to animal radio and take care of your pets. They will rock your world. You're listening to animal radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. This is Animal Radio. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy. With prescription medications and over-the-counter products like Advantix Flea and Tick Medication delivered right to your door. Learn more at FosterAndSmith.com. I'm Lori Brooks. If you own a cat, uh, you might know this. Some people apparently think the back of a cat's head smells wonderful. Uh, but for some reason, I have failed to notice this. However, one Japanese company researched that scent, recreated it, and they're now bottling and selling it. Okay. Obviously, not every single cat in the world is going to smell good, but according to the creator of this scent, in Japan, this scent thing is quite common, and many Japanese cat owners describe the scent of the back of a cat's head as everything from the smell of sunshine to the sweet scent of baked bread. So the head of Yamamoto Perfumery, Mr. Yamamoto himself, spent four months doing research sniffing many cats' heads. Of course, it took four months and a lot of cat sniffing to replicate this smell, but they have done it. And the result is fluffy brow scented fabric water. It's big in Japan. It can be sprayed on fabrics or anything, in fact, to give it a lovely cat head smell. A bottle will sell for 1200 yen or about 10 bucks a bottle. A woman in California has 1000 cats, but 
before you get all upset, she is not a hoarder. She runs Cat House on the Kings, which happens to be the largest cat sanctuary in the state. It all started back when she volunteered to bottle feed kittens for a rescue. That was about 25 years ago. She had her own home and then quickly found her purpose in life and then went about creating this no-kill shelter to provide all cats with a safe place to live. Cats are allowed there to roam peacefully among each other. That's a 12-acre property, which is a sort of feline paradise, you have to admit. Facilities include a kitten quarantine building, ICU, a hospital room, and a retirement room for senior cats. So you got to wonder, what does it cost to keep a 1,000 cats? Well, they say yearly expenses are about $1.6 million, but all of those funds roll in from donations. Today, Cat House on the Kings has 45 paid personnel who help to care for the cats and maintain the property, including a full-time veterinarian and seven vet techs who are all part of the team. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy. With everyday low prices on products like Quellin and Rimadil delivered right to your door with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Learn more at FosterAndSmith.com. Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies have a vet VIPPS accredited online pharmacy covering all your pet's needs from heartworm medications and anti-inflammatories like Remedil to non-prescription items like canine Advantix flea and tick preventive. Doctors Foster and Smith has your pet covered. We'll even contact your vet for you, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day with free shipping on orders over $49. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics, Canine Caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at CanineCaviar.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Animal Radio, time to hang out with Doc Halligan from the Lucy Pet Foundation. How you doing, Doc? I'm great, Hal. How are you? We're so blessed to have this great weather here. And yes. uh, across the country right now, in some places, it's freezing cold. And uh, yes. you're here today with cold weather tips. At least that's what it says up on the big grease board there. Yes. What should we be looking out for? Well, first and foremost, I don't think people realize dogs and cats can get frostbite and hypothermia, and they can die. Just like humans. Just like humans. So if it's too cold for you, it's too cold for your cat or dog. So yes, you gotta bring them inside. Um, and if it all, you know, worst case scenario, they, they have to be outside. Um, they've, it's gotta be a warm, insulated pet house that's, 
elevate it off the ground so the moisture doesn't accumulate in the bedding because if that gets moist, that can set up an infection. And um, and then the winds, too, it has to be where there's a door because the winds will come in and make them very cold. Well, and, here's and what I'm thinking. Sense. If you're listening to Animal Radio right now, you love your pets so much that they're not out in a doghouse. They're no. inside anyway, right? Hopefully not. Yes. I mean, they need to be inside. And so that's what I, I would think. think. Right? I mean, yeah, but I, I, you'd be I, I amazed. Like that. Listen, if your dog is outside, turn off the radio. Cause, uh, and, 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 yeah. and until your pet comes in the house, then you can stop listening again. <laughs> Sanctions. <laughs> the other thing, too, people don't realize, don't use a metal bowl that's outside. Oh, yeah. Because their tongues will get frozen to, stuck to the bowl. Oh. Mm. They, I've seen it. Don't let them lick a metal pole or anything like that. Um, same thing. <laughs> the other big, big thing we see is with kitties, they will climb into the vehicle oh, yeah. engine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And By every year someone starts the car. Yeah. So all you have to do is knock on the top of the, you know, roof of the, um, hood. I'm sorry. Just pound on the hood or honk the horn. That's what I do. And and the cats will run out. Um, the other big thing we see every year is antifreeze poisoning. Still? Still because it just it's a it's a sweet tasting liquid and what happens is a lot of people don't realize that they have a leak in their radiator and that uh, antifreeze will puddle on the ground and you drive off and it takes such a small amount, one and a half teaspoons for a 10 pound cat, one and a half tablespoons for a dog. It will literally kill them within six hours. Now, isn't there an antifreeze that is supposed to be pet friendly? There are. There are certain antifreezes that are pet friendly. Um, there's ones that they make bad tasting because the problem is the traditional one is sweet tasting and they'll just go yeah. right over and lick it. Dogs like that. I bet cats don't like it as much because cats... They don't no, have, cats... I thought they cats didn't have sweet receptors. Yeah, but you know what? There's something about it where they will, if they're thirsty and they see a puddle, oh, yeah. they'll lick it because I have treated antifreeze poisoning in California. Yeah. Wow. Really? And I have... Yes, I have. I mean, if you get them in right away, the problem is they die. It just destroys their kidneys. Oh, okay. So if you even suspect that your cat or dog or flamingo or ferret has gotten into the antifreeze, get them to the vet. Yes, because we can save them. We do have something that will bind it up and save them. And then, Joey, you know, what do you guys use on the roadways to... Uh, Salt. Yeah, and then chemicals, too, right? Yeah. And no, so they, what'll I'm ha- not that I know of. I think I think in New Jersey they only use... I could be wrong now because I'm not a highway guy, but um, I think it's just salt or sand um, yeah. that they use. Well, I know when I went to Oregon for Thanksgiving, there was a chemical because it was discoloring yeah. the... Yeah, all that pink it was stuff. Like a, yes, and so what happens with cats and dogs, especially dogs... If you've been walking them, they'll lick their paws when they come inside, and they will get sick from that. It's toxic to pets. Okay. I do believe that there is a also a pet-friendly de-icer made by the people, the salt people, Morton, I believe. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah. right I've seen that, that in the store, actually. So, yes, you are very correct. What else? The other thing is they'll get these um, snowballs in their pads. Uh, it's just oh. kind of like, um, you know, bundles up into like a little Impacted ice ball. Snows, yeah. I've seen yes. pictures of dogs standing there with the snowballs all over their bellies. <sighs> yeah. So, you know, it's good if you have a little jacket for them. If they'll wear booties, that's good. And, um, you know, try to just use common sense when you're going outside because it's a hazard and they might walk on a 
lake that looks like it's frozen over and they fall right in. Every year there's rescues for animals. But first and foremost, you know, think about how you would feel because they, they kind of are along our lines as far as the temperature goes. And then when you're keeping them inside, even though it is warmer inside, it does bring out arthritis, the cold weather. So make sure that you have padded beds blankets for them to lie on instead of the cold floor or tile. I notice my cat eats a little more during the winter. Is that okay? Yes, and their metabolism goes up just like ours. So, yes, they will need to consume uh, probably 25% more calories in the winter. I thought it was the opposite because I thought in summer they're they're more active, so they need more calories. In winter, they're kind of sedentary, so they need less. No, well, it depends on if they're going outside. So if a dog's going outside in the cold, they're burning a lot of calories trying to keep their body warm. Right. Now, if you have a couch potato dog that does wee-wee pads and doesn't go outside (laughs) at all, yes, then don't feed them more. Oh, thank you, because I was going to give them more. (laughs) Do you you have a couch potato dog? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and she uses wee-wee pads. Okay, so see, she probably wouldn't need any more. Okay. Has Ladybug, her feet ever touched the ground? (laughs) Ladybug. Doc Halligan from the Lucy Pet Foundation. Check out the site at lucypetfoundation.org. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. usable use it otherwise cut it and get out hello everyone it's robert semro your pet world insider here with this week's animal radio list five things we do to give pets complexes help my pet has attitude what's the deal and why the pet complex well that may be something that we've caused by what we're doing if your dog or cat is giving you attitude and you can't figure out why let me help you with a few common things that i think our four-legged friends wish we'd think of before acting upon Number one, pet strollers. That's right, we've all seen the latest in high-tech and low-tech strollers for our four-legged friends. You know, nature bestowed them with four legs so that they could eh, ride comfortably in a wheeled contraption meant for those who can't walk or haven't yet learned to walk. Hey, I admit it, it's certainly cute and sometimes it's medically necessary. But let's make sure they're getting plenty of exercise. Remember, we do have a pet obesity crisis. Number two, clothing for pets. I know I'm the photographer, and I am certainly guilty of loving a pet in a cute outfit, and I can appreciate the work of pet fashion professionals. However, unless it's a need, and I'm thinking of you short-haired pets in the winter, sweaters, clothing, and costumes can be very uncomfortable and even cause overheating issues for our pets. Never force a pet to wear an outfit, a hat, or even a wig. They've got their own fashion sense, and we want them to be able to roll with pride at the local dog park. Number three, Snuggies for Pets. That's right, it's a separate category because while pets have a natural nesting instinct, you don't see them trying on sweaters or blankets at the local flea markets. I went there. Dogs and cats enjoy warmth, but enjoy freedom more. I look ridiculous in a human Snuggie, and dogs might just send me a fragrant message if I wrap them in a dog Snuggie. Being wrapped up as a baby or when scared can give them comfort, but wearing a blanket around if you're not a Charles Schultz character can get you laughed at during a dog park visit. Number four, pet shoes and socks. 
Again, if you're a rescue dog climbing over dangerous debris, by all means, get some safety footwear in place. If you're a senior who slips on tile floors, it makes sense to have socks and shoes for your paws. But if you're a dog or cat being forced to wear shoes or socks to be fashionable, remind your pet parents that you sweat and regulate your body temperature through the pads of your paws. Prolonged covering can be harmful. In pet bling, pets are more blingy than ever. From necklaces to toenails to tiaras, I can appreciate showering your pets with love, but keep in mind that these shiny objects look more like toys and distractions than fashion statements for your pets. Ah, heck, now I know why my pets have so many complexes. I'm putting down the Snuggie right now. Remember, your pet trusts you and wants you to be happy. Make sure you're giving them the same consideration. Share your pet complexes with us on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Stella and Chewies. We all know pets thrive when they're fed the same food they get in the wild. And meal mixers are an easy, convenient way to add raw, nutrient-rich meat, wholesome fruits, vegetables, probiotics, and antioxidants to your dog's diet. You can learn more over at StellaandChewies.com. And thanks so much, Stella and Chewies, for underwriting Animal Radio. 1-866-405-8405. We're going to Stacy. Hey, Stacy. Hi there. Where are you today? Phoenix, Arizona. Lovely, warm Phoenix, Arizona. How can we Beautiful. help you? I hope you can. I have two dogs. Both were um, pound puppies, if you will. One, the younger one, who is six, um, from time to time attacks the older one, who is ten, both male, for no apparent reason that I can determine. And the the attacker um, has been to a behaviorist, and there was nothing to be found. I don't want to give up either one of them because I love them dearly. So I've chosen to keep them completely separated since the last attack two weeks ago. And I don't know if that's what I should be doing or if there's something more I can do. Mm -hmm. So when you say the attacks, what's exactly happening? Are we getting to where there's bite wounds and someone's getting injured in the process? Absolutely. Okay. You said that you can't really identify immediately before these attacks occur. We'd have to, like, rewind the memory banks and look. Mm-hmm. Is there anything going on, any food, items? Are you in the room? Um, is there a dog bed around? All those kind of things that we'd be looking at, something that might potentially be triggering um, the right. behavior. Nothing, honestly, that I can think of. The last one, two weeks ago, they were both outside doing their morning business, Um the older one was sitting, was kind of standing by me. The younger attacker one was over by the wall doing his business. I looked at him, and I just instantly knew that he was going to attack. I couldn't figure out why, but I instantly knew. So I mm-hmm. jumped up and basically caught him and was able to pull him off, and I put him in a headlock for 10 minutes until he calmed down. Wow. That's the only time I've been able to prevent it. Every other time, okay. they just go at it, and I can't do anything. So each time it's happening, you are you are present then? Well, as far as I know, each time it's happened, I've been present. I don't think it's ever happened when I've not been there. And they're okay. normally, up to this point, been together in the house. 
Okay, because that's a very important piece of information here is because if if we believe uh, with, with good reason, you know, that you're not coming home to find blood spots or, you know, evidence that there's been a battle when you've not been around, you are a resource. And, and dogs can compete for just about anything that's perceived as a resource in their environment, whether it is a food, toys, um, favored bed. Um, but the human in the home is probably the biggest and the most important resource in their world because you brought you bring all things good. You bring the food, you bring the love and the attention. So that can, even that very subtle thing of you being present during that, that might be something that can potentially be triggering this. It doesn't make it easier because, um, you know, that is the heart of uh, dealing with inter-dog aggression is trying to figure out what's triggering this. What is actually the inciting cause? If we, le- if we're led to believe that you are the resource, then that becomes a big challenge that we have to make that a non-competition issue. Um, so, but, and you said that you have both male dogs, correctly? Yeah, unfortunately I didn't know that you're not supposed to do two of the same sex until after because I just saved the dog. It was unusual circumstances. So yes, yeah, they're and, both male. And actually two male dogs generally do better than two female dogs. So anybody who's listening, oh. we generally don't recommend the two female dogs together. Oh. And they are both neutered, I'm assuming, correct? They are. They are. Good, good. Uh-huh. Well, some of the big things that, because you do have an older dog, that kind of throws in another whole variable. And there are instances of aggression when we have an older pet. And sometimes that can be due to some changes within the dog hierarchy in the house. So, you know, maybe we're not moving as well. Maybe we've got some low-grade problems, some arthritis. There could be some perception by the younger dog that, hey, you're not the top-packed dog anymore, um, and I'm going to move in. And um, mom's here. I want her attention, so I'm going to fight for that attention right now. That's very possible. Um the one thing I would encourage you is your older pet, just to make sure, see the vet, make sure everything is okay, that we don't have anything that we need to be addressing as far as any chronic pain, um, anything that could be affecting the way your older pet is getting around in the home, because that can be really difficult if we have an older pet that's just, uh, it's kind of the survival of the fittest, and, and it is the animals in their wild kingdom, um, so that can be a real challenge. So. You are somewhat right in doing the separation option because we do need constant supervision when these guys are together. The other thing that can be helpful is if we get somebody else to help you with some guided training. So you did say you had a behaviorist, and if we could focus on um, different situations where the dogs might want to be competing for your attention, whether it is um, coming into the home, uh, getting love, affection around the house, or even just as simple as you come in the door and you look at them, um, if we can have a family member or a friend work with you to practice some of the basic obedience commands with both dogs and set up a structure of practicing the sit, the stay, so that we can make sure that there's not a lot of anxiety about your comings and goings so that they have practiced calm behaviors and they're rewarded for that um, because we don't want to have an instance where the dogs are kind of getting all excited and one's bumping or pushing and you are being guarded or you're being the resource that we're being protected. So that takes some work. So in the meantime, separation, observation when they are together, and then working on some of those basic training commands, preferably with a leash so that we can control the situation without getting your hands in the way. Because I I admire you for the headlock, but it really, I mean, you can get injured in this because you could be the displaced, uh, uh, you know. And I didn't think of that until afterwards, and I thought, God, that was so dangerous. But I was so wanting to save the older dog because he just, 
gets beat up for no reason. And then I'd say probably one final thing in close for breaking up a fight in your situation. Rather than the physical contact, I would use either the the loud horns. You can slam a door, drop something, make a loud noise. If you're outside, water works wonderfully to break that up. But anything that creates a loud disturbance will help to distract them. So I would lean towards that first. Okay, so just get work on the obedience and, and keep them separated. But when I do get them together, put them on a leash so I can be watching them both carefully. Yes, and we want to have make sure we have another person to be working with you. So if you have the ability to get either that trainer or another one working with you, a lot can be learned from someone on the ground watching how the dogs are interacting. So um, if you haven't had great success with the uh, one behaviorist, we might want to get another one for you and uh, see if we can get a little bit more direction on that. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Very much. Bye-bye. 1-866-405-8405 to talk to any one of the Dream Team. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your Dream Team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And here's the number, toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to Dr. Debbie or to dog father Joey Volani. And uh, this hour, we're going to be talking to Dr. Nicholas Dodman. The topic, kind of strange, can your pet commit suicide? And I got to admit, it wasn't until today I had even really pondered that thought. But uh, he apparently is going to incite us, enlighten us, and let us know whether or not our pets can commit suicide. Apparently, there's been several case studies of actual animals they believe have done this. So hmm. we'll find out more in just a few minutes. Let's go to the phones for your calls first. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download that puppy now because it is free and made free to you by Doctors Fosters and Smith. That's not why you would want to download it because it's free. It's just really a good app. (laughs) That's why you'd want to download it. Free helps. Free helps. (laughs) Last hour we found that uh, what these Chinese are bottling the the scent of a cat. I'm good with smells, but I I don't think I have that in my repertoire. (laughs) I don't know what cat head smells like. Well, that's interesting. I guess I'm the only one here that... uh, if you're out there and you, you know that cats smell good and they, their their head smells good, call me at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five so I don't seem like the crazy one here. But they're just like kids. <laughs> it's just their head. I don't get that. I mean, like if a cat it's, smells, it's good, the back the of their time? head. Well, I'm sure there's some sort of gland or pheromone or something. Yeah, I just I I, I don't know that I've gotten my nose over a cat and thought oh, the back of the head. Oh, that's where it really <laughs> smells. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to try it. I've got a couple cats in the office today, so I may uh, and the sniff. You test see, going. I can tell the difference between my cats too by their smell, which I know oh, some some parent moms can do do that too. <laughs> you just cultivated sense of smell there. <laughs> No, they smell good. Hold on a second. We have uh, Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl, how are you doing? Doing great, thank you. Do you have a cat? <clears throat> well, we call it a community cat. Oh, do you do you smell the cat's head ever? Not really. She's not <laughs> that, uh, friendly. <laughs> well, what's going on with your animals? How can we help you today, okay, the whole well, team? Um, that's, like I said, community cat. Uh, she, I think she was 
feral or stray or whatever, and she came here, and a cat lady who had cats adopted her, had her spayed and chipped and all that stuff, but she didn't, she still remains outdoors and and doesn't come in. However, it's been quite cold, even in Florida, like 30s in the night, and I, I wanted to bring her in. She has another family across the street, and they've built this little kind of a enclosure for her but she but she still she followed me for where I used to live just around the corner and she kind of bonded but what I want to know is when she spent the night with me at about 4 a.m. she she kept going to the door and coming to me and going to the door and, and I finally got it that she wanted to go out and I let her but the thing is that I don't mind her waking me up but it's just so cold out there, and I was wondering if there's any way if I could have a litter box inside, how I could. I tried it about a year ago to kind of put a pause in and sort of dig, and then, but she just, she kind of gave me that dirty look and ran away. Oh. Uh, well, we can teach cats, um, outdoor cats, to use litter boxes, but it, it, it varies in how successful we are with that. And uh, the first thing I always tell folks to do is to really look at the environment that the outdoor cat is living in and where are they toileting at that particular time are they going in dirt are they going in sand because that's going to be the substrate in most cases that they're going to be most drawn to so unless you provide that kind of litter box Uh substrate it may not seem like it's anything cool to her so some cats you can if you just take a cat and they become an indoor cat and they don't have access to outside they will use what is provided um, but that might mean that you, you know, don't let her outside for more periods of time. So what I usually do in these situations, if the kitty goes in and out, um, is that you want to provide a couple different options. Um, but I usually start with, say, if they're used to going in dirt, you know, might put some mulch um, in the litter pan, and okay, maybe just a little. Has, I've seen her go. She is, she's primarily on the grass, or or dirt. Okay. And our, yeah, so, our mulch is uh, not healthy because it's dyed, you know, to make it a pretty orange, and it's got pesticides. And so I'm glad that she doesn't go in the mulch around yeah. the shrub. Yeah, or, I mean, you can use topsoil as well. So okay. you can use those kind of things and, and make your own little litter box in the house. And then, um, you know, sometimes even just trying some other things, like some of the different corn cob litter, sometimes that's a texture that cats kind of find appealing. But the idea is you start with what they know, add a little bit of the cat litter to it, and then just gradually try to build up a greater, greater proportion of actually a standard cat litter that you can use reliably in the house and not have to go digging up dirt in the winter outside. But that would, that would be definitely what, what I would do. And then making sure you do, you know, use a couple locations of those boxes. So, you know, put one in one area, generally low traffic, um, you know, where we won't be too stressed. And uh, a lot of times using pheromones um, by either the sprays or diffuser in the home can kind of help those outdoor cats to feel a bit more at ease about the litter box environment and using that. Um, some other tricks, um, kind of gross, but you can find some cat excrement out in your yard and actually put it in the litter box, and it kind of scent marks it, and that can be one way to also kind of give the kitty an idea that this is where you want them to go. Well, here's uh, the thing that's perplexing. is uh, Forgive me for calling her the cat lady, but <clears throat> she had three indoor cats that never went out, and they used the litter box, and mm-hmm. when when she had her spade, she had her indoors for about a week, you know, just to kind of for her recovery. 
and uh-huh. she was coexisting with the other cats, and they were using the litter box, and she was uh, meowing at the door. <laughs> so yes, well, because them, yeah. you know, do their business, and she didn't want any part of it. <laughs> Oh, so she wasn't using the box in that situation. No, never. Okay, yeah. Well, and that's also a very stressful thing to go through. You know, we're having a major surgery. A cat that lives primarily outside is indoor. You're around all these other cat personalities. That can be a bit overwhelming. Oh, um, but, so. but, but then subsequently she still stayed with the cat lady and the other cats in terms of who stayed. She, that would be her base. She would go back at exactly. night and sleep inside and leave at 4 a.m. Um, that's right. Night for four years. So it wasn't exactly a one-night stand. <laughs> I like the way you put that. But, you know, that's on a cat's terms. You know, if you forcibly keep an outdoor in an outdoor cat indoors, it doesn't always go so well. Um, but, but this cat sounds like she kind of had her own terms. She came and went as she wanted, and that was just fine with her. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I love your show. It's just so informative and, and so, oh. you know, just diverse because of all the different animals and birds and so on. God bless you for all you do. I just find it so interesting. Oh, thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Hold on a second, Cheryl. I have some kitty kush. Could we have more kitty kush we can send today? Yes, we do. This is a kitty catnip. It comes like in a, uh, a pepper, pepper grinder, so it's really, really fresh. And maybe your feral cat or your community cat would just love a little bit of that. So we're going to send it off your way. And thank you so much for listening to Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Stella and Chewy's believes that selecting the best food is one of the most important decisions an owner can make for their pet. We believe that pets thrive when they're fed the same diet they'd get in the wild. Dogs and cats are carnivores, and meal mixers are a quick and convenient way to mix a little raw nutrition and great taste into their diet. Made from premium raw ingredients like grass-fed meat and cage-free poultry with organic fruits and vegetables, meal mixers help kickstart your kibble. Learn more at StellaAndChewy's.com. Like the taste of fresh apples? Try an Angry Orchard hard cider. At Angry Orchard, we believe in tradition. That's why we use apples from a 100-year-old orchard. It takes two apples to make each bottle of Angry Orchard. So raise a glass to a time when apples were best served in a pint glass. Angry Orchard, when you're looking for something a little different, crisp, refreshing, and not too sweet, just like me. Angry Orchard hard cider. Branch out. Angry Orchard Cider Company, Cincinnati, Ohio. Drink responsibly. Remember when a small business needed a landline? Today, landlines are a thing of the past with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. On the road, at the beach, or at home, Grasshopper helps you grow your business. Get all the features of a business phone system and the freedom of a cell phone with our iPhone and Android apps. Features include multiple extensions for your team, calls forwarded to your mobile phones, voicemails transcribed and emailed, and so much more. See how it works at grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. Geico applauds your inner road champion. A solid bump from Geico's fist to yours goes out to the little rebel that lives within. The one who made you daydream as a kid about owning a chopper, chroming it out, and chewing on toothpicks. Just to look tough. For you, champ, Geico insures motorcycles with great rates. And to further fuel your engine, you can access your policy anytime, day or night, through the Geico mobile app. Because Geico knows that even make-believe renegades need help from time to time. Geico Motorcycle. See how much you could save. Hi, this is Jeff and Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family. I'm on Animal Radio. Adopt a pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. 
Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio, and we hope wherever you are that you're staying warm and comfy today, and also your pets, your animals, they're all comfy and warm inside, too. And we're going to head back to the phones in just a second. But first, let's find out what's coming up in the news. I'm going to share with you guys, this is like the cutest cat and dog pair on social media. Um, <laughs> a kitten that was raised by a dog. And oh, my gosh, it's just a, a wonderful story. And uh, we'll tell you where you can follow them coming up. Okay, that's on the way. Let's go to the phones for your calls. Hi, Jeremy. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. How are you guys doing today? Good. Where are you? I am in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, nice place. Well, you're on with Dr. Debbie. Hi, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful today. What do you got going on with you? Uh, well, my dog, Nitro, I found him as a stray at the drag strip. That's how I got his name. <laughs> but um, he is a Border Collie mix. And what my issue is with him, he's a spinner. And we don't know if it's because he needs something to do at the house, you know, as far as the job goes, or if he's just got some kind of neurotic issues that we need to take care of. <laughs> so when you say spinning, we're not talking he's not going to a biking class. He's actually, like, going in circles then. I thought oh, it was he, like I'm one of the Motown spinners. Yeah, but, okay. yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, um, actually, you know, he can do it on command. If I say the word go, it's you know, he starts spinning. Sometimes it's a funny trick, but, you know, I don't know. Wow. You know, we're we're trying to get him to stop, but yet, you know, we find it amusing, too, so we don't. But on the other <laughs> hand, um, the hair dryer, the lawnmower, the weed blower, you know, the snap of my laptop closing sends him into circles. And it's not like he's mm. chasing his tail. And um, I don't know if it's some kind of mental issue he's got because he's, you know, should have a working dog. Mm-hmm. or if it's just something else I need to look into. Yeah. And, you know, we do see a lot of different of, of the collie breeds that can have some of these almost obsessive spinning behaviors. And it's something that, yes, they will do very commonly as part of an anxiety kind of component. Now, there can be some weird medical things that can cause that. Um, so there's... a remote possibility we could be dealing with something like um, a hydrocephalus or lead poisoning or some other type of brain disease that could cause that. But especially if it's a situational trigger that are things that are, you know, either upsetting to him or that make him react, um, then I would say very likely we would want to address the behavioral part of it. And you kind of hit upon one big thing is that, you know, with these guys that have some of these anxiety problems, I like to get them a job, <laughs> get them something right. to do, physical well, activity. Another, another thing we do, we've got a, um actual public dog park here in Chattanooga, and mm-hmm. we'll take him down there. And if there's like a whole lot of dogs, you know, about 10 or 15, he runs the whole perimeter of the dog park until he gets them all within a five, maybe five or six foot radius circle, and he just keeps running around, making sure nobody gets out of the back. So, so he's hurting them. That's exactly. I mean, so we know his job there. And also, um, we've got him on puppy Prozac. You do? Okay. Yes. And was that intended for this purpose, uh, for the circling? I do think so. Okay. So you've already kind of worked with your veterinarian on this, and they prescribed that then? Yes. I mean, sometimes it calms him down. And, you know, sometimes he's just got to go, got to go, hyper-pursuit mode. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and and I'd say it's really important when we're using a behavioral medicine for some of these anxiety-driven problems that we also work on the behaviors. So if you're kind of uh, encouraging these behaviors, giving him positive reinforcement in any way of, you know, talking to him, you know, laughing with him when he's doing it, that is actually counterproductive to that drug therapy. So it's really important that we stop that and that we focus on practicing calm behaviors. So kind of the basis always falls back to behavior training, and that would be practicing sit-stay downs and and having him hold those positions for gradually longer periods of time because that's kind of a uh, practices the calm behavior, and it also gives him some duration. So he kind of focuses on something, and it's kind of like a kid with ADD. You know, we've got to kind of keep his attention at you and what you're asking him to do and not how he wants to react to some of these other right. things. And then then when he's faced with um, that loud noise, um, you know, the laptop closing, whatever it might be, then we can practice those sit-down sit behaviors and try to direct his attention to that and not to his coping mechanism, which is the spinning kind of thing. So I would definitely work on that. And the Prozac, um, if you're using that, are you using that consistently? Yes, we give it to him um, in the afternoon when we give him his afternoon meal. And um, that way it keeps him calm through the night. And then he stays, you know, we put both our dogs in a crate while we're going to work during the day. Okay. So we've got him crate trained. I can tell him, go get in his box, and he knows exactly where to go. And Good. we've also we've also got another dog. She's a border collie Australian Shepherd mix, and she's well behaved. I mean, we got her the canine good citizen training as a pup, and done some obedience training with her, so she's not a problem. Mm-hmm. And Nitro, the border collie or the Shelby mix, he's a good dog too, minus the fact with his spinning obsession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I keep up with the you know the behavioral meds because I think that can really help. And in some pets, I'll also add in something else if they're faced with really bad situations, like if you know that there's going to be a lot of people around, things that might get him going. Um, I'll t- I'll touch him up with something like alprazolam, which is kind of in the Valium family, and we can use those for individual situations on top of the Prozac if necessary. Um, okay. Goal is to try to help him not make him a drugged out dog, um, but. Uh, <laughs> I think you're, you're, you've got a lot of the, the right ideas. Um, just make sure the whole household is on game with that. And um, a lot of these spinners, <laughs> as we call them, we may not be able to cure them of that. We may still have some of that residual spinning. So there's a certain level that you kind of live with, um, and we just try to decrease their anxiety, help them become more focused, you know, a more relaxed pet, and, uh, you know, better family member there. So... Hope that's of some help for you there. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio, 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Michelle. Hi there. How are your pets today? I got Dr. Debbie right here. Um, the only the issue I'm having, we have a lot of them. We have six dogs. We foster a lot. And our latest foster that has come in, she eats everything, not everything, but like she's devoured a half of a rug and swallows it. She doesn't just chew it and throw it out. And wow. one night... She regurgitated two huge piles of foam rubber. She yeah. evidently got a huge piece of foam rubber, and it was not even, you know, it was like she ripped and swallowed. It was in whole pieces. Okay, she wow. Any hard rubber toy, she'll eat it and swallow it. So the only thing I'm allowing her to have right now are mylar bones. Okay, and what does she do with those? Oh, she just chews on like the other dogs. 
Okay, so she doesn't actually ingest pieces of that then. Well, you know, I'm sure she does, but it takes a long time to get a little piece off of it. I'm afraid she's going to have an obstruction or something one day. Yeah. How long has she been with you? She's probably been with us maybe um, maybe a month. Okay. And what kind of dog is she? uh, She's a part husky. And she she also is obsessive with licking. Licking herself or licking other things uh, in her environment? Uh, me, me, my husband, just <laughs> the hands, the legs, the clothes, everything. Lick, 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 lick. You know, I oh, yes. Or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this gal, she's got a high oral fixation. So she she um, definitely, and, and huskies have a lot of energy. So we have a couple things that I would really direct you worth working on her. Um, one is that... Um, getting her as tired as possible. An exhausted, physically exerted dog is less apt to look to um, behavior issues. Um, They're not as bored. Um, So I really try to get dogs that do this into some very strenuous physical activity, um, playing ball. Um, You know, some dogs do wonderful going to doggy daycare where they interact and run with the dogs all day. Frisbee something where we actually get her and try to just exhaust her um, because then you may not have that same desire to go looking around the environment and picking up and chewing on things. Mm-hmm. Now, did you ever catch her actually in the act of yes. chewing on things? Yes. Yeah, and I tell her okay. no. The rug. The rug especially. Well, I think one big thing then, and it's probably very apparent, is that um, to keep her physically um, blocked off from that area. Because um, the more that she has that access and chews on that thing, that creates a sense of a positive reinforcement. She's finding some pleasure in that, uh, whether it's the pleasure of tearing and feeling that on her teeth or if it's just the sense of you catching her and then you yell at her and then she gets some attention in that way. So um, we need to make sure that we don't give her that access and that we don't inadvertently, by yelling at her, make this a a greater problem and compound that further. Um, And then... You have the right idea with the bones, with the mylar bones. Um, and I would definitely look at, you know, some of the other types of, uh, I'm a fan of uh, the compressed rawhides. Um, they're not, you know, they'll, they'll eat them, but uh, they do last a long time. And especially a dog that has got a, a huge desire to chew gives them an outlet. Um, I always do that supervised, uh, you know, where your, your eye can kind of watch and make sure when it gets down to smaller pieces, they can take that away from them. Those are going to be the strategies that I'd really look at is keeping the access down, getting her physically tired and exhausted and then giving her that positive direction of what she can chew on um, and seeing if that can kind of tie things together. And then hopefully with a little bit of time and acclimating into the home, she'll follow suit with the other um, pets and, uh, you know, find a nice routine. Um, But you definitely need to nip this in the bud now. Good luck with things. I hope things turn around. And uh, if you have a question, give us a call here at Animal Radio, 1-866-405-8405. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. This is an Animal Radio News Update, brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy, with prescription medications and over-the-counter products like Advantix Flea and Tick Medication, delivered right to your door. Learn more at fosterandsmith.com. 
I'm Lori Brooks. While many states mandate that pets are not allowed to be kept outdoors in extreme weather for extended periods of time without insulated housing and such, others barely consider hypothermic deaths to be animal cruelty. You know, all states are different and the laws vary. Fortunately, some states and local governments are now enforcing harsher punishments for people who allow their pets to be outside in weather extremes, like that blizzard last month on the East Coast. So talk about perfect timing. Montgomery County in Maryland just recently has taken measures to ensure that dogs specifically would not be forced to endure the winter tied up outside. The county's Animal Division Services says a person must not tether a dog under circumstances that endanger its health, safety, or well-being, including unattended tethering of a dog during a weather emergency, such as that blizzard, which dumped more than three feet of snow in many parts of the county. If you haven't met or seen Rosie, this adorable kitten who thinks she's a husky, it's something you should do if you need a smile on your face today, because this kitten is adorable. She is only, well, she was only three weeks old when she was found on the street, all alone, unresponsive even, and then she was luckily nursed back to a healthy life by Lilo. Lilo is a husky. So now Rosie is fully grown and enjoying lots of adventures with a trio of huskies who have taken her in as part of their pack. And Rosie now, she thinks she is a husky. Rosie's adopted mom, Lilo, is the leader of that pack. So the two other dogs didn't really question accepting the kitten as part of their family because, you know, it was Lilo's favorite. Now Rosie goes potty with the dogs outside. She walks on a leash with the dogs and basically goes everywhere these three huskies go. The pictures are priceless. You can follow their adventures on Facebook or Instagram at Lilo the Husky. That's Lilo the Husky. One word, no spaces. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy. With everyday low prices on products like Quellin and Rimadil delivered right to your door with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Learn more at fosterandsmith.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more. Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies have a Vet VIPPS accredited online pharmacy covering all your pet's needs from heartworm medications and anti-inflammatories like Rimadil to non-prescription items like Canine Advantix Flea and Tick Preventive. Doctors Foster and Smith has your pet covered. We'll even contact your vet for you, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day with free shipping on orders over $49. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics, Canine Caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at CanineCaviar.com. It's Animal Radio. I only wish you could hear the conversation that goes on between the commercials here in the studio. And, you know, Dr. Debbie, she's a strange type. She loves the uh, smells that are involved with the veterinary world as well as uh, just all the stuff that just makes up the veterinary world. Somewhat bizarre. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Many of us 
probably feel this way. We wanted to be a veterinarian, but then we realized that we'd have to take care of sick animals. And, the, and that, yeah, have, they just come along with a job. <laughs> we'd have to see blood, but uh, you thrive on that. You like seeing these odd cases, and you had a uh, weird one this morning. What was it? Uh, what kind of dog? It, it was a basset hound basset who hand, met okay. up with a cactus. Yes. So, a good story in the end. Uh, everything came out fine. Which but, is yeah. good. Is he here on the phones? Yes. Okay, he this is. is a very interesting topic. We started talking about this earlier in the show today, and it's the first time that I've really even thought of this. Can your pets commit suicide? I, I think it's intriguing, and I haven't heard of some of these specific stories, but I think a lot of times as veterinarians, we're told not to anthropomorphize, so I think a lot of us are trained out of this kind of thought and even thinking that direction. We welcome to the show Dr. Nicholas Dodman. Welcome back. How are you doing, Doc? I'm good, thanks. The topic quite pr- provocative. Tell us, can your pet commit suicide? Well, um, I think the answer to that is no, just to be clear. Um, I do sometimes hear accounts uh, there was one story a long time ago where somebody said that their dog committed suicide in downtown Manhattan and asked what had gone on, and they said, well, we were going down the stairs, and suddenly he turned around, he fled up two or three flights of stairs to the top, got through an open door, and then threw himself off the top of the high-rise. Wow. But when I got into asking the details, it turns out the dog was noise-phobic. Ah. Um, the dog happened to be on Prozac at the time, so they blamed the Prozac for causing suicidal ideation Mm. Um, but that he was on a flexi lead and he was noise phobic and the man dropped the flexi lead and it went bouncing down the stairs making a clatter oh. right behind the dog who for some reason turned around and fled but of course this thing is now chasing him because it's attached oh, to him yes. and he just kept running is it possible that the that animals can have the same mental illnesses that humans have absolutely yeah we've um, identified over the course of the last uh, quarter century or so you know, dogs with obsessive-compulsive disorder, dogs with other anxiety-related behaviors like um, generalized anxiety, which is a human psychiatric illness. We've uh, recently described dogs that have autism, um, where you can actually measure things in the blood, so-called biomarkers, that are exactly the same as in autistic children, and they have you know, exactly the same uh, sex predilection, which is mainly affecting males, and they engage in the same behaviors, even have seizures sometimes associated. Um, we've identified PTSD in dogs. I mean, identified that long before the military finally caught, finally caught on and uh, now um, acknowledges that there is a canine form of PTSD. Well, that that's, um, begs the question then, why could they not have depression and commit suicide? Oh, they do have depression. I mean, but there's, there's depression and depression. There's, first of all, there's a, a state of depression which dogs go into that when they are bereaved um, of a loved one that could be another very closely bonded dog or um, a loving owner to whom they're very attached, they can go into an extreme funk with all of the signs appearing very similar to people with depression. They, life is gray, they have no interest in it, they don't want to play, they don't want to socialize, they just sit around you know, or sleep a lot of the time, maybe stop eating. I mean, we've had cats do that in situations of bereavement. And when cats stop eating, they can get a fatal liver disease called hepatic lipidosis. We've had them in here being treated for that, and then I have to treat them for the depression. But the difference is that is a state of depression. And when you talk about depression in people, we, we all know that you know if a loved one dies, you're depressed and down and blue, and you usually you get over it. But there are some people who just sort of spontaneously 
get into depression and then bounce back out, sometimes becoming manic, and then depressed again. So they have a trait which is different from the state. We have not really identified, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but and no one's really described well trait aggression. Um, if it did occur in a dog, it'd be one with a pessimistic personality and outlook. And that has been shown that some dogs seem to behave in a pessimistic way, whereas others, like human beings, can be kind of optimistic about life, that every day is the best day in the rest of their life. Well, how do you explain, uh, like, this one story about a female gazelle that died and its mate struck its head against a wall and he fell dead at her side? Or these dogs that are, they said they are committing suicide at this bridge in Scotland. Over a dozen dogs are jumping off this bridge to their death. Well, there could be another explanation because, um, you know, it, it could be that there's something. First of all, the bridge is not properly secured. I mean, even for humans, uh, you know, tall bridges where lots of people jump have, you know, netting on either side, you know, tall uh, fences to stop people from doing that. Um, but if this bridge has, you know, improperly secured edges, and, you know, think about it, if there was a wall. Um, you know, four feet high, um, a chihuahua certainly couldn't commit suicide uh, off that, you know, maybe some tall athletic dog, but, you know, you can't see what's on the other side, but I'm imagining this bridge is fairly open, and it may be that there's lots of birds go flying by, that it's, a, you know, a rookery or some such, or and, and they go chasing and uh, following, and they'll, they'll pursue it to the point of falling off the bridge, and then someone goes, hey, ten dogs have done this, I wonder if this is a suicide bridge. But and I can't imagine them really, I don't think they even really understand. I think they know that they're an entity. Uh, they, have, they know that they are themselves and that other dogs and other people are different. Some people don't believe that. That's actually quite a jump in, in intelligence. But to know that you're yourself and you want to end life means you, you know that it began and you know that it's going to end. And I don't think they have that. Dr. Nicholas Dodman joining us, a professor and program director at the Animal Behavior Department of Clinical Sciences at Tufts University School of Veterinary Medicine. There's a link. I will uh, put it up at the website for you at animalradio.com if you want to learn a little more about what Dr. Dodman is doing. And we look forward to talking to you once again. All right. That sounds great. That's a deal. Oh, Joey Volani, I bet. This time of year, you're pretty pleased as bunch to live here in California, not back in Jersey. Well, you damn straight. Um, after what they've been going through over there the past couple of weeks, and um, it's very fitting because um, I didn't tell you what my tip was all about, but my tip has to do with um, you know the foul weather around the rest of the country and what to do with, with your with your dog. Okay. The first thing, and because people, for some reason, they don't want to have their pets groomed because they say the weather's bad and it's cold. And if you get a dog that's matted or full of um, shedding hair, go get it taken care of. You can always get a coat and put it on your bald dog now. <laughs> and a dog that's been completely de-shedded or shedded, de-shedded properly, the coat's going to work good, so it's going to keep them warm. But that matted hair, when it goes out into the snow or gets wet, it just absorbs it like a sponge. So what you're doing is you're keeping that cold, damp moisture up against your pet's skin. The other thing is you want to do is, is make sure that you look in the pads of your dog's feet if it goes out in snow or ice. So for a couple of reasons. Number one, the obvious, the, the salt and the things that we're putting on the ground, you know, just to um, de-iced. But 
something a lot of people forget is when that snow gets packed in there, and it makes it very uncomfortable and cold for your pet. So some people don't like to shave out the pads of the feet. Some do. Well, you know, either way, go in and look at your pet's feet and, and dig it out. Now, there's a lot of things you got to remember. Their skin reacts just like our skin. It, and I've said this a million times. It'll dry out with the um, with the heat being turned on in your house in the winter, especially if your home is a little bit dry. If your skin is drying out, your pet's skin is drying out as well. So what you can do is you can either go to the store and buy a nice um, conditioning spray, which will moisturize the skin, or just a little bit of water in a spray bottle. And when your pet in every now and then, just spray your pet down, and it'll hydrate, actually, believe it or not, the skin and coat. To keep the pads of the feet and the nose really nice from that cold you know, wind, you could put Vaseline on the bottom of the pads or even, even on your pet's nose. Now, they make things, but um, in a pinch, that works great. I love Bag Bomb. I've talked about that a million times on this show. Yep. It's, it's made for um, cows' udders to keep them um, nice and moist in the cold weather. And here's a really good tip. If your dog doesn't have hair on its ears, Vaseline. Put Vaseline on the ears for two reasons. Number one, it's going to keep it from getting chapped and protect the skin. Also, the petroleum jelly actually holds the heat in. So it actually will keep your pet's ears a little bit warmer. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. This is Jane Lynch on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your animal. Spay or neuter. Let me say that again. You don't want to do both. Spay or neuter. Let me say it again. Can I do that? You can do whatever you want. Oh, God bless. I'm going to try it one more time. Hi, this is Jane Lynch on Animal Radio. Please spay or neuter your animal. I love it. You do so good early in the morning. I, I'm, my I'm mouth so caffeinated right now, can I tell you? I'm yeah. barely holding it together. Well, you're awesome. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. An Australian man was recently caught hiding three geckos in his socks. Police found the little lizards hidden in the man's socks during a routine search of his car and alerted wildlife authorities. It's believed the man caught the geckos, which were a protected species in the wild, with hopes of selling the popular little lizards on the black market. The alleged smuggler had hidden a marble velvet gecko, an eastern spiny-tailed gecko, and a three-spot knob-tailed gecko. A wildlife officer explained that taking an animal out of the wild affects both the local populations from which they're taken, but also can spread disease to other reptile communities. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Let's uh, head to Nancy. Hey, Nancy, how are you doing? Hi, it's cold here. It's cold air. Where, where are you? Reading, Pennsylvania. It's not as cold as it is where you are. No. <laughs> but we're going to send some warmth your way. Thank you. What's going on? How can we help on Saturday on the WEU in Reading, I heard you uh, say a word which I'm familiar with, colloidal silver, C-O-L-L-O-I-D-A-L. Um, yeah. Is that in products for cats and dogs that you know of? 
Well, colloidal silver, um, it, it, it's a remedy that's been around for eons that people used to use um, as a kind of a cure-all. Um, so it does have antimicrobial properties, antifungal properties. Um, the thing that you, you need to know is that it, it is out there on the market as a supplement, um, as a dietary supplement, Um in the holistic markets, it is actually over the counter. It is not, it's banned by the FDA for use in uh, products. Um, so, it, partly because of the the concerns of safety, because um, we have to remember, silver is not an essential mineral. It, it's actually a heavy metal, and it has the potential to cause toxic effects. Um, so, for those that use it, um, they purport that the benefits um, outweigh the risks. Um, so, for dogs and cats, um, I am not a fan. I have a, a client that insists upon using it orally for his animals, and I, I, I caution him heavily about that because there certainly are, you know, concerns and implications with things like liver disease, seizures, uh, kidney problems, things of that nature. Well, um, I thought you said to one of the uh, ladies, persons I called in, I can't remember if it was a man or a woman, uh, said something about use a colloidal, and I was wondering if that was the silver that you were talking about. Well, colloidal silver, colloidal just basically means that it's um, an insoluble particle, which is actually suspended in another. So um, another great way that I describe um, a colloid is, is milk. Milk, there's a liquid, but there's also kind of the, the fatty milk that's the, the proteins within it. So it, it's, it's just, a dis, it distinguishes how that element, how that mineral is um, provided. So, but topical colloidal silver, um, you know, a lot of people do use those for, you know, things like burns, first aid, um, things of that nature, but you still have the potential of that translocating or being absorbed from the skin into the system. Mm-hmm. So, and again, because it's a, you know, heavy metal, I just, in my practice, I, I find there's so many things that I do know the safety um, of that it can be much more um, effective yeah. and safely provided for my animals. So um, the big question is um, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know how much could be potentially toxic, and the problem is a lot of the different products have different potencies. So um, it's one of those things. There's the buyer beware, the user beware when it comes to colloidal silver. And uh, Well, so. I, can, I can ask a question. What are you trying to achieve, Nancy? Well, I, I know I, I take it myself for, uh, off and on for my colds or whatever, and it works for me. But my thing is, uh, I was talking to a person recently that they said they uh, raise cats. They, they um, what do you call it, raise cats, whatever. And they mm-hmm. put it in the water for the kittens so that they don't have the, uh, you know, the bacteria and the fungus and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they have no problem with it. So that's controversy with any kind of supplement you take, I think. Yeah. And anybody can overdose. You know, uh, more is better. That's not always the case. So, yeah. But I, and I guess I heard the- you say something, and I just was, wanted to clarify if that was actually what you were talking about. Yeah, and and I think just when we start to really think about what silver is and that it's not supposed to be in the body and by ingesting it on a regular basis, we don't know how much can be deposited into the body. That's that's the concern and the, the safety concern that I would express for oral ingestion, especially yeah. especially for a young creature that we're going to be, you know, seeing, um, you know, lifetime. But it concerns. is found in at this point. It is found in pet uh, food or uh, supplements or whatever. There nope. are pets. There are pet. Um, a lot of topical supplements. You may okay. find some orals, but again, I, you know, I, I'm not directing you there. You're doing that on your own. Right. I'm telling you, please don't use those. Use the direction of things that your veterinarian would properly advise you. Remember right. the uh, fall of the Roman Empire? Wasn't that just because mm-hmm. all of the lead goblets 
that they were drinking from those ah. heavy metals. I'm just saying, you got to watch out for those heavy metals. Yeah, well, with all the scrutiny and the concerns that a lot of people have about, you know, putting substances in their body, you know, it, it, it's definitely something to really look at. And, and I've had patients that have had seizure issues, and then you find out they've been using uh. some potential, um, you know, vitamin mineral supplement and you really have to look at every one of those little things that uh, someone might do in their home mm-hmm. well nancy you have a great question thank you for calling and thank you for listening to animal radio okay it's time for us to get on out of here we thank you so much for joining us today remember if you need your fix you can head on over to animalradio.com and get a fix or download the animal radio app for iphone and android you can listen anytime you want plus get all the latest news like recalls all the information that really affects you and your pets and it's a free download so why not do it now and then as usual, I say this every week, if you have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, listen up. Our very own Dr. Debbie has written a kind of a user's guide or user's manual for them. How to be your dog's best friend. They're Kindle books, and you can get them over at Amazon. And we have links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Have yourself a warm, safe, cuddly weekend, and we'll catch you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This is Animal Radio Network.